So we continue our series on the sensational God this morning by taking a look at what I believe to be an overlooked sense that uh, all of us possess, or many of us possess, and it has to do with our smell. And I want to go over just a few things with you before we dive into this passage. And, and first is this, did you know that we can detect more than one trillion distinct scents? One trillion distinct scents, we can, we can do that. Dogs have 44, more to, 40 to, 44 times more olfactory nerves, or whatever you want to call it, scent cells than humans, which explains why they're always sniffing around, right? Another one is this. The cells that are used for the sense of smell are renewed every 30 to 60 days. And then another one that I found rather interesting was this. Women have a better sense of smell than men. This explains an awful lot. So I found that rather interesting. And that you can actually, I did not know this, you can actually smell fear and disgust. All of these things, smell is is a phenomenal thing, but there's also a significant truth about smell, and it's this. Companies place a price tag on bottling it. What you're seeing on the screen right now is this bottle called by Clive Christian, and it's called Clive Christian Number 1 Imperial Majesty. Now, when I was a little boy, my mom bought me my first cologne. She bought it from Avon. It was in this antique car decanter. And I remember, I didn't, I didn't know anything about it, so I dumped a bunch of it in my hand and put it on my face. It burned three layers of epidermis in a matter of three seconds. It, was, it burned so much. But I know this, it was unlike this that you're seeing on the screen right now. This, this amazing, amazing perfume. It holds the Guinness Book of World Record for the most expensive perfume in the world. The bottle, if we could go back to that picture, if we could show that picture again, this bottle has five carat white diamonds on the top of it, on, the, on that deal. The band that goes around it is 18 karat gold. It is only sold in Harrods in London and Bergdorf, or Bergdorf Goodman in New York City. Those are the only two places you can find this or purchase it. And I guess you could probably purchase it online. Then it has, it has the combination of these scents. Tahitian Vanilla, Rosa Centifolio, and this other one, Yanglang Yanglang. I don't know what that is. I don't even, and if I have offended people by mispronouncing it, I apologize. I have no idea. I don't know what that is. But here's the thing. If you buy a bottle of this perfume, Clive Christian Number 1 Imperial Majesty, it will be delivered to you in a Bentley. It will be delivered to you in a Bentley. They show up in the Bentley, they open the doors, and out comes this boxed perfume. And here's why. A 17-ounce bottle of this costs $250,000. Now, if I'm buying perfume for Dawn, because I bought two bottles of it yesterday. We got new credit cards and they decided to just go for it. I'll just say this. Dawn, I love you, but we'll never see this perfume bottle at our house. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. But there's no getting around the truth that this company is onto something. They know that people enjoy smells. They enjoy pleasant aromas. 
Now, I'm not going to sit there and critique $250,000. That's just absurd to me. I guess I did just critique it. But it's craziness to me how much money this bottle of perfume costs. But here's what else is amazing. There's an aroma out there that costs far more than $250,000, and we didn't, it didn't cost us anything. It's because of Jesus Christ. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to look there, and if you're, looking, if you're using one of the Pew Bibles, it's on page 965. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we come to this place where Paul is, is, is explaining what this aroma is all about. And we pick it up in verse 12, and he says this. Now when I went to Tress to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to him and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are an aroma that brings death to the other, an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Father, we pray now, as we come to this time of looking at your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit would work in such a way that you would open our eyes that we can see the beauty of, of what it means to have that aroma of Christ living in us and through us. That you would open our ears so that we can understand more clearly and hear more clearly your voice in the midst of what it means to have that aroma of Christ living within us. That you would open our minds so that we can discern what it looks like and what it means to be a people that are to spread the aroma of Christ everywhere. And that you would open our hearts that the aroma of Christ would infiltrate and permeate every place, every person that we interact with. And Lord, may no one hear anything that I say, but may they only hear what it is that you want them to hear, that you desire them to hear. And then in all of this, Lord Jesus, that you would be glorified. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So Paul, in verse 12, says, I went to, When I went to Tras to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, Paul is very excited here, but notice what happens next. I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. For Paul, he goes to Tras to do what he's going to do, and he's hoping to see his buddy Titus there and, and to interact with him and encourage him. But yet, the very plans that he had fell through. And frankly, when plans fall through, it stinks. It stinks. All of us have been there, right? We've set something up. We've, we're moving forward. We've planned out an event for an extended period of time. And then all of a sudden, something happens, and it makes it so that we can't do it. One of the things that we know about Paul is this, is that he has deep passion for the gospel. 
He has deep passion to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so as he finds this happening to him in Troas, where he's wanting to to connect with Titus and wanting to come alongside Titus and encourage him and, and work together to spread this good news of Jesus Christ, all of a sudden it doesn't happen. And if you're like me, when your plans fall through, it's real easy to get discouraged. It's real easy perhaps even to get angry. It's like, why did this happen? What could we have done differently? Why, did this, why, why is this not working, through, working out properly? We've all been there. We've all been there when plans fall through. And there's this great temptation to do what I just said as far as getting upset about it or whatever. And Paul's plans fell through. But here's what I love about Paul. And I think there's a big lesson for all of us. It's this. Is that Paul's plans fell through but God's plans never fall through. We have a God who can work in so many different ways. He's not just a one-dimensional being that can only work in one particular situation. God is big enough to work wherever you are. And that's the beauty of all of this. Yes, we can get upset, we can get frustrated that our plans fell through, but here's a significant thing, and this is what Paul's pointing to. He says this in the latter part of verse 13. He says, so I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. He said, I'm going to go and continue going forward with the gospel wherever you are. Wherever you are, God wants to use you. Your plans may very well fall apart. My plans very well may fall apart. But it does not limit God wanting to do great things. Wanting to use us. So often, at least for me, I sit there and I think, Lord, you can only use me here. And yet God seems to say, John, I can use you wherever I want. All it takes is for you to be open to me. So perhaps you're here this morning and your plans have fallen through and, and, and there are things going on in your life that aren't making any sense and you're wondering how are we going to navigate this. Yet know this, God will use you wherever you are when you say yes to Him. That's the way He operates. And so Paul lays out this rather not-so-good situation, but then he does something, and look at verse 14, he says this, but thanks be to God. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. He's in a stinky situation and he doesn't get upset about it. He keeps pressing on because he knows this. Paul has experienced the smell of victory. He's experienced this incredible smell of victory when he was walking to Damascus and Christ came in and rescued his life. Paul was losing and, and he, was, he was losing this battle. We're told in Acts, and I can't remember which priest it was, when, when the apostles were doing amazing works. And the Sanhedrin kept trying to keep them down. And one of them said, listen, if this is of God, you can't stop it. It'll eventually die off if this is of humanity's making. But if this work is of God, 
You're fighting a losing battle. And Paul was fighting a losing battle. And Paul has this amazing experience on the Damascus Road, and he, and he points to, to this victory here, and I love this imagery that he uses, and, it's, and he knows this, the battle is won. The battle is won, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. Paul grabs a Roman military image here. As the Roman Empire continued expanding and continuing taking out swaths of land and, and, and taking over different people, what they would do to, to uh, say how great they are is that they would have these, these victory parades. And so what would happen is, is that as they came in and they showed, showed the people, they showed all their, all their captives, they would bring them in and they would proceed down the road. There would be all types of people there. These were the captives. And there would be all types of material possessions that they had gained from from their latest conquest. But there was also one other thing that was going on. And it was this. Was that throughout that parade, incense was burning all the time as they continued on. And we're told this that sometimes the smoke from the incense was so thick that, they could, that the people observing the parade could not see what was on the other side of that smoke. But the fragrance of victory was everywhere. And so Paul's taking this image and he's saying, that's what happens to those who turn to Jesus Christ. That's what happens to those who place their trust in Christ. God is bringing us, he's bringing us, and notice what he says here. He says we're captive. We've been captivated by God's grace. And he's leading us forward. And here's what's beautiful about it. He's not ashamed of leading us. It's almost as if God says, This is my team. These are new members of my team. And I'm with this team. God has put together the greatest team ever assembled in human history through Jesus Christ. I want you to think about that. If you have the courage, look around this room. There are people from all walks of life here. Nobody, nobody would ever think that this hodgepodge group of humanity could make up a team. But because of Jesus Christ and because of what he's done, He's assembled this great team throughout history that continues gaining power, continues gaining strength. And yes, we continue to battle. We can, that battle will never end until Jesus comes back. But yet the victory is won because Jesus Christ has given us that victory. Paul calls it a triumphal procession. In God's eyes, He's rescued us. We're on the winning team. And one of the things as I was working on, this, working on the message this week was this, is why so often do I look defeated? Why so often do I forget that there's victory in Jesus? And I don't think I'm the only one. 
It's a triumphal procession, not because we're fixed, but because Jesus Christ cares for us, he's rescued us, and in the midst of our brokenness, he puts us together with one another, and he says, this is my team. And we're going to keep moving. We're going to keep making progress. And the team has one goal, and it's this. To spread the aroma of the knowledge of Christ everywhere. Everywhere. Wherever you are, God wants to use you. He wants to spread this aroma of Christ wherever you are. A number of years ago, there were some missionaries heading into China. And as they arrived, they had to go through a process of, of getting oriented and, and things like that. And the teacher walked in there, and not a single person in that room could speak Chinese. So part of their training was going to be to learn language, to learn the Chinese language, whether it was Mandarin or, or one of the others. And so the teacher comes into the room and just starts walking up and down the aisles and doesn't say a word. She kept doing this for about five minutes, walking up and down the aisle, not saying a word. And then she said this, did any of you notice anything? And all these missionaries were looking around at one another going, what is going on? What did we sign up for? Then a hand in the back of the room was raised. And this person said this, I noticed that you have a very pleasant smelling perfume. And she stopped the class and she said, that's what I wanted you to notice. For the next number of months, you're going to be learning the language. You're not going to be able to communicate with these people. But over the course of, the t- of time, your actions are going to be spreading the aroma of Christ. So often we forget that, right? We forget that. And Paul alludes to that because what he points to in verse 15 is this. He says, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life, and who is equal to such a task? Ladies and gentlemen, we are spreading or hindering the aroma of Christ by the way we live our lives. It is either a repugnant aroma that people smell, or it's a refreshing aroma that people smell. And it's all predicated on the way we are conducting our lives. And Paul is very direct here. It is one or the other. It is either life or death. There is no middle ground here. We are to be spreading the aroma of Christ everywhere we go because when that happens, life happens. But so often, so often we forget this. And our actions have an aroma. Our actions or either fanning this beautiful aroma, this life-saving aroma of Christ, it's either fanning that fuller and fuller and fuller, or it's turning people off to that. Our actions, say it again, our actions have an aroma. 
The unfortunate reality is some of us can't smell our own our own aroma. I want to do a little thing here real quickly, and I want us to answer, I want us to think through this question. It's this, how do our actions smell? Are they either repugnant or refreshing? I'm going to ask Adam Matthew and Marcus to come up here real quickly. These two individuals, along with Emily Matthew, help with our uh, student ministry. And they do all types of different things because it's student ministry. And, and when I was doing student ministry for all those years, you would inevitably do what's the taste of that food or what's in the bag or whatever the case may be. So in essence, this is my opportunity to get, finally get even with people that every student wants to get even with as far as the, some of the stuff that you've made them taste or whatever the case may be. So in this bag, there are going to be five different, ob- uh, uh, five different objects or smells. I should say it that way, Okay. Some of them are going to be repugnant. Some of them are going to be refreshing. Okay? So you two recently did a student ministry event where you had people, it was called Messy Game Night, right? Messy Night, yeah. Messy Night. Did it involve any types of eating of food that was really not very good? Okay, there we go. So now we're getting even. All right, so by the way, we believe in grace here and forgiveness. We don't hold grudges or anything like that. So what I need you guys to do is close your eyes. I'll bring the baggie to you, and you can take, and I'm not going to tell you what's in it, and, and uh, we'll just let you know if it, it'll work. So, is this pleasant or not? Take an inhale there. It's good? Yeah. Is it good and refreshing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it smells like something you'd wash your clothes with. Well, we're just thankful you wash your clothes, Marcus, so that's a good thing. All right, so it was cinnamon, okay? So, you ready for the next one? No. You're not ready for the next one. Okay. I'm glad you're starting with him. (laughs) Well, Marcus, now you open the door. I'm starting with you on this one, buddy. So, okay, you ready, Marcus? Here we go. Okay, just a second. Take a smell. (laughs) All right, that's a bad sign. Wait, are you looking at him? How do you know it's a bad sign? I heard his movement and the crowd reaction. Okay, here we go. So, here we go. Ready? Take a whiff. All right. It's something you need to throw out of the refrigerator, right? Okay, so so it's garlic. All right, so you guys got that. Okay, here we go. We're moving on to the next one. You wanted to say rotten pizza? No, just garlic. All right, ready for this one? Okay, here we go. I want you to smell deeply this one. You don't like it either. Okay, good. All right, so it's uh, it's onion is what it is. It's onion, okay? So, all right, so one, two more, two more. You, you don't like onion? Okay, here we go. This one this one has a, I'm just going to let it just, you know, take a whiff of this. You don't know how to react to that? This is not the reaction I was hoping for. This is the smell of the perfect game of golf. It was a golf ball. You should have you should have been you should have been overjoyed with that one. Yeah, you should have just kept going. Man, I just want to keep doing that. Last one. You guys ready? Last one. Okay. Our last one. Here we go. 
You're thinking laundry soap again. Okay, so these are dryer sheets, all right, and, and, and there you go. So, all right, so you guys can open your eyes. You're done now, okay? So you guys okay? All right, good. Thank you, guys. All right, so thanks. So now here's what was interesting. I don't know if you could see this or not. They were concerned every single time I get ready to show them, open a bag and have them smell. They were concerned about the aroma that was going to be presented. Let me ask you this question. How concerned are you about the aroma that you're presenting? How concerned are you about whether or not it's refreshing or repugnant? Folks, our actions smell. When we offer forgiveness to someone, that's the aroma of Christ in action, and it is a beautiful smell. It restores relationships. When we gossip or speak ill of someone, it's like garlic. It's repugnant. You can't handle it for an extended period of time. What Paul continues to point to is this, is that we have a responsibility to spread the work of Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, wherever we go, and it's most evident in the way we live our lives. So I ask you right now, how does your life smell? I ask you right now, what are your actions saying about the aroma of Christ? You see, the aroma of Christ, the aroma of Christ and what He does in our lives is better than anything else. And as long as we're on, and you heard Marcus point this out, laundry thing, it's better than Febreze. And I invite you to turn to Mark 14, please. And we see this amazing event that happens. Jesus is getting is is nearing the end. He's nearing the time when he's going to be betrayed. He's nearing the time when when everything is going to send him to the cross. And we come to this place in Mark 14, starting at verse 1. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, he said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leopard, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wage and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Jesus is in a stinky situation. He knows that people are not overly thrilled with him. The leader, the, the higher-ups are wanting to kill him. He knows this. 
I don't know what was going through his mind at that time, but all I can imagine is, is that he knew it was coming to an end. He was rather preoccupied about this, wondering, is there anyone out there? Is there anyone out there that can minister to me? And this woman violates all types of protocol when she does this. She risks her reputation. She violates all types of cultural norms. Why? Because she loved Jesus. Her life had been so impacted by Jesus Christ that this aroma of Jesus Christ permeated everything she did. And so she breaks this bottle over his head and the, and the perfume, the fragrance permeates everywhere. And these people want her rebuked. Not only do they want her rebuked, they rebuke her. And look what, look what we're told here in Mark. They rebuked her harshly. They rebuked her harshly. But here's what's beautiful. Jesus says, leave her alone. What the world says is a wasted effort. Wasted effort to live for Jesus. A wasted effort to spread the aroma of Christ wherever Wasted efforts for Jesus Christ always smell good. The world may say that was a waste. But Jesus Christ says that is always good. We're so concerned about our perception. We're so concerned about the way we look. We're so concerned about all these different things that we forget that the one thing we're to be about is simply following after Him and living for Him and allowing our actions to show the beauty of Christ and allowing those actions to smell the aroma of Christ. And Jesus always provides defense. Yes, the world may say, You're a fool. But Jesus Christ says, you're doing that for me. You're not a fool. You are my child. You are the one I care for. And I love what Jesus says here at the end of it. He says, says, truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told. Her little act has been told for almost 2,000 years now. That little sacrifice she made, and yes, it was a costly one, by the way, it's still being talked about today. Your little wasted efforts for Jesus Christ make an eternal difference in the lives of people. It's an eternal difference aromatic sacrifice. When you offer God's grace, when you offer that forgiveness, when you offer that help, when you offer generosity, when you offer hope, it smells of Jesus Christ. And that smell changes lives because Jesus Christ changes lives. One little act changes everything. For each ounce 
of the most expensive perfume that you saw at the beginning of the message for each ounce. It cost $14,705.88. To gain the aroma of Christ, it cost you nothing. But it cost Jesus Christ everything. His aroma brings life out of death. His aroma speaks forgiveness instead of holding a grudge. His aroma speaks peace into the midst of anxiety. His aroma doesn't need to be reapplied because it's so powerful that it continues changing lives today, yesterday, and forever and ever and ever. His aroma has been changing lives for eternity and will continue changing lives for eternity because it's the aroma of a Christ and it will not stop being fragrant. It will not stop going everywhere. My prayer for all of us this week is that we would live lives in such a way that the aroma of Christ is abundantly clear to all we meet. And for some of us in this room, my prayer is this, is that we would never forget that we're called to spread the aroma of Christ everywhere and that our actions are hindering that exposure to, that, to His aroma. Don't take lightly the way you live. Take seriously what Jesus Christ has done and what He wants to do in your life and through your life. And may the aroma of Christ spread everywhere we go this week. Father, I pray. Lord, I pray that you're, that the aroma of Christ would be so evident in our lives. That people would come to know you. And Lord, I pray for the people in this room right now who don't have that aroma. They're longing for something. It is my prayer that you would invade their life in such a way that they now have the aroma of life rather than death. And Lord, it is my prayer that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would remind each one of us that our actions matter. And that you would have mercy on us for the times that we have said things or done things that have hindered the aroma of Christ. And that you would set us free so that we could then express your wonderful, life-saving aroma to those we meet. So Lord, guide us and use us. And may we never forget the incredible sacrifice You made for us so that we could live lives that spread the aroma of You everywhere we go. Help us, Lord. And we thank You. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to invite Heidi and Adam and... 
and Miriam back up. And as they come up, we will sing a couple more songs. And as we sing those songs, may we offer to God these songs as worship, not just worship, but, but yet let, let us sing them with great zest, spreading the aroma of Christ. So I invite you to stand now.